You're listening to Take as Directed, a podcast on global health policy and the news, events, issues, and the people it affects. The problem is the world is in a shortage of vaccines. power and strength in women is the role because that maternal child and fear health and nutrition is what drives this disease and, t- and keeps it in the dark. I'm Steve Morrison, director of the Global Health Policy Center at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. In this podcast, you'll hear conversations led either by me or by my colleagues, Sarah Allender, Janet Fleischman, and Nellie Bristol, who serve as recurring hosts. We interview leaders fighting against some of the biggest public health challenges of our time. Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, has had unprecedented success helping low-income countries purchase and deliver vaccines. This has helped to increase immunization coverage for many underserved populations. But as global immunization rates have stalled over the last few years, this public-private partnership is looking for new approaches to ensure that vaccines are available to all the world's children. In this episode of Take As Directed, CSIS Senior Fellow Nellie Bristol sits down with Adrian Duchesne-Martin, Director of Strategy, Funding and Performance at Gavi, to discuss Gavi's continuing work to improve partner engagement, build management capacity, and bolster immunization systems. Adrian, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Nelly, for having me. Can you explain a bit about how Gavi works and how its approach is different than other global health organizations? Yeah. Um, so Gavi works in support countries to access vaccines, um, low-income countries, and there's really two, win- two, two ways in which we support countries. The first one is we provide vaccines in kind to countries that request it to Gavi. Um, so countries submit an application explaining what's the burden of diseases in their countries, uh, why they would need the vaccine, how they would introduce it, how they would bring it to, the, to the, their populations. And then we review that and, and we approve it for most of the time and then make that vaccine available in kind to the country. Then Gavi is actually purchasing the vaccine. Gavi is purchasing. Yeah. Gavi Alliance through UNICEF is purchasing the vaccines globally and therefore we have an ability to work on the markets of these vaccines, having the right price, the right quantity with the right manufacturers, etc. The second uh, support that we provide is uh, some health system strengthening support. So that's support in cash to countries to help improve specific aspects of the health system that have a direct impact on immunization coverage. So we usually try to focus our support on issues like supply chain of vaccines, demand for immunization, data quality, uh, and a number of other areas. Um, so these are mainly, and, and the third, by the way, the third pillar of our support is through the technical assistance that we provide through our alliance partners, which are mostly WHO, UNICEF, World Bank, CDC, and in fact, uh, a large number of smaller organizations that have provide technical support to countries. So your question around what makes it distinct from other organizations, I would say, I'm not sure if it's distinct or, but I guess one of the key uh, operating principles of, of the Gavi Alliance model uh, is one that we are country-led. So it's actually countries requesting the support to GAVIs. And it's country governments actually uh, providing you know, the application to GAVI. Then the, the support that we provide is always through governments. So we don't have GAVI people actually vaccinating kids. We have the health worker of the countries this, you know, working on uh, providing the primary health care services to the population, adding on certain vaccines. Um, and we have, and, and as part of that, uh, the support that we provide is always at scale nationally uh, for the whole country. So our model from the beginning was built as 
working through governments at scale as opposed to you know, an agency-led uh, smaller scale projects. So I think that's one important characteristic of the Gavi model. I would say the second one, which is something that I've worked relatively well, is the transition model, the sustainability model that we have for our support. So um, we fund vaccines only for low-income countries or at least countries that are be- below a certain threshold of GNI. And uh, we fund the majority of the cost of the vaccines, but countries co-finance a share of that of that cost. And that share actually increases as the country's GNI increase. Um, and then when the country passes on the actual eligibility, eligibility threshold, the countries actually start to pick up the full cost of vaccination. And we help countries, by the way, still have access to the right prices after they, they fully finance the, the cost of the vaccination. So... That is a model that has worked pretty well. Uh, we have we started with 73 countries uh, at the beginning of Gavi. We now have 20 countries that have fully transitioned out of Gavi support, and 16 of them are actually completely ta- have completely taken on the full cost of vaccinations. We have four of them that are struggling, mostly because they actually have their GNI based on their uh, resources, their natural resources, the oil gas, the the oil price is affecting the domestic budget for health. And so we're working with them to find ways to help them transition. But that's a model that I've worked pretty well uh, with the intent that, that, you know, Gavi would not exist at some point in time and countries would have picked up, would have had access to immunization. The last point maybe just I want to emphasize is the the alliance characteristics. So Gavi was not created as yet another agency in global health. Uh, We're still, still a relatively lean Gavi secretariat but working through alliance partners. So uh, the funding partners of Gavi were WHO, UNICEF, the World Bank, and the Gates Foundation. And we still work relatively, uh, from, we, we still work through WHO, UNICEF, uh, and the World Bank and others to actually provide technical assistance on the ground and to uh, be on the ground with the country government to implement day-to-day the immunization program. So does Gavi fund some of the technical assistance or alliance partners are just, they're implementing Gavi's program? No, so Gavi funds technical assistance through partners. Um, We, again, we don't have a Gavi secretary staff on the ground, but we actually have uh, more than 300 staff funded, uh, staff from WHO and UNICEF funded by Gavi in countries focusing on immunization. And in fact, that's something that, We've really increased over time. Uh, Gavi started with the main focus being introducing the vaccine, so the countries taking the decision to introduce the vaccines. Our agenda and objective now is much more about reaching every kid wherever they are, whether they are the uh, remote rural uh, in remote rural areas, in urban poor or migrant populations. Most countries have now introduced some of these key vaccines, but the question is how do we reach these kids that don't have access to the primary healthcare system? And in order to do that, you actually need support on the ground from these technical agencies. You need the commitments from the government. Um, so again, Gavi Secret does not have a, a, a staff present in country, but the alliance uh, partners are there and Gavi funds their presence and support to immunization. So the equity question that you're addressing, how do you get these vaccines to every child mm-hmm. in those countries? So what what are the new strategies? Um, Gavi's doing a midterm review right now, um, kind of leading up to its next strategic plan. What What's going to be different? So first of all, you know, the, things have started to be different over the last couple of years. As I mentioned, there was, uh, you know, if you look at the various uh, period and cycles for Gavi, there was, you know, between 20, 2009 and 2014, there was a massive 
uh, wave of introductions of new vaccines in our countries, mostly the pentavalent vaccines, pneumococcal, rotavirus, and HPV vaccines starting to pick up. Um, and so the work that we're doing with our countries was really a lot about understanding the burden of disease, understanding the value of these vaccines, and making the decisions to introduce. We've really shifted over the past three years, three, four years, to really getting the equity agenda, getting to all these kids that are not reached by the system. So we've really done a couple, number of transformations. The first one is our health system support is now much more targeted to actual immunization bottlenecks. Um, as I mentioned, we try to focus on the supply chain of vaccines, demand, data, um, sustainability, the political will also of the governments to actually address some of these barriers. So that that's one component where our health system support is much more targeted. The second one on technical assistance is uh, trying to help uh, be much more on the ground with countries in designing and implementing plans to increase coverage and increase and improve equity. Uh, so again, we were, you know, these 300 staff that I mentioned from WHO and ISEF, we've grown from almost zero. Most of the staff were funded at the regional and global level to now all these staff funded um, in country to help day to day the countries, not only at the national level, but also sub-national level. So in DRC, in Madagascar, uh, in a number of countries, we now have staff actually posted in the different districts uh, to help uh, implement some of these strategies. But we also have diversified the players we play with the, the, the partners we, we, we fund. And, and we've moved away to, from um, a place where we're funding mostly technical advice to a place where we're trying to provide implementation support. So actually being on the ground day-to-day -day supporting the ministry as much as possible embedded in the ministry to help implement some of these programs. So what does that take? That sounds like a big job. So uh, <laughs> I think to to do that, it, it you know, one of the things that uh, we've had to do is be much more engaged with the countries that we work with and design with them the right plans uh, for addressing some of these bottlenecks. So is that Gavi staff that's doing that part of it, and then you're working with the partners to implement it? So it's actually a, a combination. We have increased over the past few years the number of country managers that we work with Gavi. We were from a place four years ago where it was one country manager working with 10 countries. Now it's you know almost one country manager for one or two, maximum three countries. Uh, and the number, the level of interactions and the uh, actual frequency of interaction is much higher than it was before. We have increased, as I said, the number of partners present on the ground working with countries. And the challenge we have is, again, we moved away from a place where we're in Geneva, for most part, receiving a paper-based application to Geneva for health system support, saying, you know, de describing a number of things, to much more of a dialogue approach where we're for a number of months at the beginning of a program, we look with the countries at the key bottlenecks, we look at what could be done by Gavi, what could be done with others, what technical assistance they require. Um, we do that with the WHNSF staff on the ground, with the bilateral. We try also to engage the bilateral partners, so USAID, DEFID, the French, when it, depending on the country, and build these plans. And we try to have a plan that's owned by the country, as opposed to, again, what we had also in the past is some technical support to come up with these plans, and then the plans sit on the shelf. And that's, uh, again, the, the level of success is variable you know, on that particular aspect of increasing equity is variable across countries. The capacity of the countries to build strong plans and implement them is variable. Uh, but that's, that's, that's where the, the, the road ahead for us. That sounds really exciting. It sounds like it's really, it's taken you out of your, I don't know if it's the Gavi comfort zone, but it's expanded your the way you're dealing things much, much more broadly. Definitely. I think moving Gavi from 
sim- purely a global funding agency to still a global funding agency because our market shaping role and, and our uh, is is you know central to what we do but also moved it to a place where we are engaging much more with the countries again being leveraging the presence of our partners and other organizations and being a bit of a facilitator of that but yes that's definitely been moving us so you named some of the bottlenecks you talked about cold chains and um Supply chains. Are there others in particular that that you see as being the major bottlenecks in a lot of development? Is there sort of a? Are they the same in every country? Are they different? What's the What's the variation? So, uh, the, obviously, the country context is different you know, in, there, in every country. But we tend to think about some of these bottlenecks in uh, in you know we tend to b- uh, bundle them in a number of categories. So the first one I've mentioned is the supply of vaccines. So it's not not it's basically getting the vaccines at the right place, at the right time, at the right temperature, uh, all over these, these countries. So it takes the right cold chain equipment. It also takes the right logistics systems, but it also takes the right organization on the ground to deliver a service of quality to mothers, avoiding that they spend hours you know, in the heat and the sun waiting to get their kids vaccinated. So getting that service available uh, and, and supplied to the communities. The second one is the demand, so making sure that communities understand the value of vaccination and bring their kids to get vaccinated. It's both related also to the quality of the service. The more you can actually provide a service, a quality service of vaccination, but the more also you communicate about the value, the more you're going to have people coming back. And you also have as part of that demand issue some of the anti-vaccine movements or vaccine hesitancy that we see in some of our countries. In fact, it's, we see that much more in the countries that are about to, tr- to transition. So in Europe, uh, in, the, you know, in, in the euro region, uh, more than in some of the lower income countries, we actually see a lot of these diseases and the communities are affected by measles, are affected by pneumonia, diarrhea, and they see kids dying of these diseases. So, but still, under this demand component, we, we, have, we have all of these different aspects. The third is around the data quality. So having a data system that allows you to identify where the kids are, the ones that are not immunized, trying to track where the service is provided, how many kids you're reaching, which one are actually being missed, and doing all of that in a way that doesn't create a parallel data system. So we try as much as possible to be integrated within a, a data a health system, um, DHS system, basically, in the country. Um, and so that, these are the three main areas where we invest. Um, the fourth, which is relatively recent, is around helping countries have the right management capacity to connect all these dots. So you can provide a lot of inputs on cold chain equipment, on communication plan, on demand, um, on data, data systems, if you don't have the right skills to manage all these inputs and actually organize the resources that are available to you, whether they are vaccines or all these uh, support, uh, you will not deliver or, you know, increased coverage. So we've, it's actually something that uh, we've looked into over the past two years, uh, two, three years now. Um, and again, also l- recognizing that with Gavi's support, these immunization teams in the ministries of health have grown from maybe one, two vaccines available to now five, six vaccines that they have to manage with a very strong agenda on increasing uh, coverage. And, so, and, and their size and capacity of these teams have not evolved. So 
um, that's a, another area that we're investing in. Happy to describe a bit more. If yeah, I would love to hear about that. I think that's a really interesting topic. And maybe talk about some of the deficits. Like, is there sort of an optimal number of health workers that should be per capita? Is there something similar for managers? Do you have, I mean, what what's the gap there? Yeah. Do you have any sense of that? So there are really two levels. There is the, the, the national level of you know managing an EPI program, an immunization program in a country. And then indeed, there is the more on the ground uh, man- management, you know, r- human resources for health uh, that actually need to deliver the vaccine. So I'll talk first about the first one, which is the, the, the national capacity. Sometimes in large countries, you also have a similar issue at the regional level, like in Nigeria, Pakistan, where you have a lot of decentralized services. So we first focus on that one, on, on organizing at the national or sometimes sub-regional level the services and the inputs for immunization. And what we are doing is we have a couple of interventions, actually a number of interventions that we are uh, funding to try to improve the management of, uh, of these programs. The first one is um, what we call the management partners. In fact, so that's uh, providing... Uh, the capacity of someone who is coming with, you know, often from the private sector with very strong manager and managerial capacity, uh, and being and, and not as much technical capacity minimization, but being placed within the ministry to help the EPI manager for a period of one or two years help develop the right management practices. So that's actually a model that was initially developed uh, by the Aspen Management Partnership, so the AMP uh, program, uh, and we've partnered with them since, you know, over the past couple of years to place a number of people in these countries. We have now rolled this out through other partners, Dalberg and, and other partners who actually have a similar capacity. But that's, that's one. Um, we have another one around... Uh, training uh, some of these technical teams on management. So we are we have kicked off last year a training uh, done managed by uh, Yale University and the uh, University of Global Health Equity in Rwanda as a partnership with one year long training with one week in person in Rwanda and then over the year basically some mentoring and support providing on the ground on 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 the job support provided to these EPI managers with usually a breakthrough project that they have to do so that's that's training part we have also provided some uh, performance management support more uh, on an ad hoc basis for three, four months to try to tackle specific issues. We work with Chai uh, a lot on that. We work with the smaller organizations. The one that we've worked with in Pakistan very successfully recently is called Akasas. Um, and trying to basically tackle specific management issues, trying to find the right way to address it, but also the right way to monitor it and to manage it as you know with, with the right levels in the ministry. And the last thing we uh, just want to mention is uh, Gavi's model rely a lot on the participation of our bilateral partners, the, the, the various donors, USAID, DEFED, etc., and technical partners, who are represented by this uh, interagency coordinating committee, which is the in-country meeting and regular reviews of the programs. And these meetings were not always run and are not always run in the best way. So we provide some kind of support to help um, have the right meeting agenda, meeting minutes, meeting organization, uh, um, the right performance discussions with the country, et cetera, to try to improve the quality of these discussions at country level. Right. You don't think about that type of thing that you can't, not anybody can just sit down and um, get a meeting going and get to the output that you actually wanted from it. Exactly. And particularly now, I mean, 
In the global health space in particular, we have a lot of people who have very strong technical expertise on certain topics, but not always the right managerial capacity to facilitate these meetings, to set up the right management processes, to connect the dots, to uh, review. And there is an added complexity, by the way, which is that immunization is provided as often by obviously health workers who provide a whole range of services and the immunization team doesn't have a direct control about where these resources are being applied, etc. So that really requires also the right coordination in the Ministry of Health, the right involvement of the Director General in the Ministry of Health or the Minister of Health himself to review some of that performance because it's not like we have you know, one immunization service being delivered by immunization people. Mm-hmm. It, has, it is integrated for most part with others. What types of people do you look for for your management training? Like what level of education do people need to have or what level of experience to, for that to, to be useful for them? What we do is we work with our, the ministries, uh, with the people that are in the EPI, so immunization manager position in the ministries of health. And often one or two people around them or the people, by the way, that work in supply chain and, and, and work on vaccines management. And so that these are the people that we try to train. So you're working with the people who are there. Do you yes. need more people? I mean, what, is this something where there's sort of a deficit of people who can do this, who are eligible for these positions? So, I mean, and it's a good question. These are not Gavi people. They are ministries people, right? So they are recruited by the ministry. So we would not directly hire them. In fact, we also don't provide direct salary support as, as typical Gavi uh, in our policies. Uh, but there is, it's a good question. You have a whole variety of, of countries from countries that have a very high turnover of EPM managers. Uh, they tend to stay for you know, six months a year and then that, you know, leave to go to other agencies. Or um, and, and then some other countries where, in fact, the people are the pillar of the system, have been there for years, would just, you know, uh, are really uh, uh, behind the fact that the system is working very well. Um, so there's a, quite a vari- uh, variability the issue is the same that you would have in any other programmatic area or at any other area in ministries of health is the level of salary that uh, you might be able to get is different is, is is could be quite low with regard to what is expected of you with the level of responsibility etc so you tend to see some brain drain in some countries going to international agencies or um, and so we're we're working with countries to to see how we can tackle that. But that obviously is an issue that's much broader than what Gavi can do. Mm-hmm. And that relates also to your previous question around the HR for health uh, available in country, the healthcare worker uh, in some countries that is also um, definitely in, in deficit in comparison to what is needed and related to a broader uh, issues sometimes with uh, with salaries for health workers. Well, it's great that Gavi's taking this on and good luck with that. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of our Take Us Directed podcast featuring Adrian Deschaise-Martin of Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance. Listeners, I want to let you know that we've released the first episode of our mini-series on the opioids epidemic on Take Us Directed. The mini-series takes listeners to the origins of the crisis and interviews experts and key figures about how the country has been affected by this enigmatic crisis. Subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode of the American Opioids Epidemic mini-series and our regular episodes of Take as Directed.